Welcome to episode 8 of the Joy of Horror Podcast, a pod where we dive into all kooky and creepy corners of the world. This week we're traveling to Iceland, but before we dig in, I checked my analytics the other day and today it's the 6th of December. And I'm not 100% sure why, but I got so ecstatic when I saw that 3% of my current listeners are from Estonia. I mean, it could be someone hiding the free piano course, but I like to think that there's someone over there listening. And to show how excited I was, I wanted to say, Tere Yaita. I'm sorry if I messed that up. I promise I did practice. But oh, how perfect would it have been if today's story was from Estonia. I should have planned that better. But okay, sorry for that. I just had to get it out. As mentioned, today we are traveling to Iceland and we're going to meet a very notorious family of trolls that wreak havoc every holiday season in the cold, icy nights. But guys, this is officially the topic that took the longest for me to research. Between all the sources I had to sort through and of course compiling it all into notes was so time consuming. But I did it for y'all because I love you, and I wanted to have all the facts straight and as much information as I could manage. Before we get this party started, though, I wanted to say ahead of time that any Icelandic I say in this topic, I tried my best. But I am a very uncultured child, and I promise I mean no disrespect if it's said wrong or horribly. Okay, with that, let's dig on in and see what the family is all about. Now, when I say family, I mean a big family. We got a mother and current father, a big cat, and typically 9 to 22 children. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to go ahead and break down this family so you can understand them individually and not just as a whole. I was attempted to originally break this up into separate episodes, like maybe save the cat for a mini episode for a potentially future Patreon, but I couldn't do it. I didn't feel right leaving out a chunk of this chaotic group, and I'm sure you agree. We're going to start out with the loveliest of the group, the mother. Her name is Gorilla, and she is commonly known as the Christmas Witch. She was first written as being a giantess in the 13th century, but orally her story passed from generation to generation for what's believed to be possibly centuries. She originally lived in a small cottage outside of the village and would go to individuals' homes asking for their disobedient children. You know, to eat. All casual-like. Of course, parents would usually refuse and could get her to go away by offering food instead or by simply yelling and chasing her off. Which I'm sure was a frightening task all in itself because some of Grilla's distinguishing traits over the centuries have been being really tall, having 300 heads, sometimes with three eyes in each head, 15 or 40 tails, sometimes with 100 balloons attached to each tail with each balloon holding 20 children apiece. Not sure how that would stay floating with all that weight, but I digress. Horns of a goat, legs of a goat, a bearded chin, fangs, eyes in the back of her head, and teeth, quote, like charcoal. So either in color, texture, or both. Depending on who's telling the tale or what source you go with, such as the Sterlunga saga or more current Christmas books, the appearance can vary greatly. 
But the most common I came across was her being a very tall height, being grotesque in appearance, and usually hunched over with a sack over her shoulder. If we jump to the 17th century, she's now been run out of her cottage and lives in a cave in a Dumabugir lava fields, or an unidentified mountain with caves somewhere on the island. It was around this point that she originally integrated into the Yule or Christmas mythology. She would hide in her cave, listening for whispers on the wind of children misbehaving. And once winter settled in, oh man, here she comes for some good old grocery shopping. You see, she would go and snatch the children who had been naughty throughout the year and take them back to her cave. From there, she would eat them as snacks raw, or her favorite dish was boiling them alive and cooking them up into a type of stew. Most of my sources mentioned how Grilla never seemed to have a shortage in the supply of bad children to eat, but would stock up any chance she got. Since she had an insatiable hunger, that's understandable, of course. It was believed that this tale of Grilla was created due to the winters in the country being so dangerous that if children went out to play, especially at night, there was a chance that they wouldn't come home, at least alive. So you better behave and stay inside unless you want Grilla to come grab you. Jumping one century more, in 1746, the story of Grilla being used as a scare tactic to make children behave was, quote, unlawful and cruel to use as intimidation for naughty children. It was straight up outlawed, guys. 100% outlawed to use this as an intimidation tactic. Which I'm kind of shocked considering all the messed up tales still to this day in most countries. After this, the story of Grilla was greatly watered down and made more family-friendly, if you will. For example, instead of Grilla snatching up bad children and eating them alive, they would receive a rotten potato in their shoe instead. Quite the jump. You might have noticed how I haven't mentioned her children or her Kit Kat yet. Well, that's because they were considered separate legends until around the late 18th or early 19th century where they became one large happy family and made a Christmas tale instead of just being cautionary stories to scare children. Though one or two of my sources said that they actually combined as early as the 17th century, which kind of makes me think of like Captain Planet where, you know, how they had their rings or powers and they're like, oh, you know, like, and they all combined to make Captain Planet. Or even the whole, like, Wonder Twin Powers activate, which I'm not sure if that's just showing my age and, like, no one else is getting it. But if you agree, you agree. Before we jump to the next in the family, we're going to briefly discuss Grela's husband, Lepalude. Now, Lepalude, which I'm sure I'm butchering, is actually Grela's third husband and is mostly known for being a spineless, lazy oaf which is apparently, according to one of my sources, a very common theme in Icelandic tales, where there's a potentially scary or even bloodthirsty wife, and the husband is basically a coward. In some legends, he's this way due to the fear of what happened to Grela's previous husbands. He mostly stays in the cave and ventures out only when needed or to sometimes hunt with his wife. But speaking of our girl's previous husbands, originally it was mentioned how she had dozens of children with them, but they are so rarely mentioned in current tellings that most are unaware of any children besides the Yule Lads, which are her current children, which I will discuss, of course, soon. 
Jumping back to her current husband, at one point, Grilla was bedridden for a year and Lepelude hired a girl named Lupa. They ended up doing the spicy and getting a child from the act named Skroger. Once Grilla was better and found out about the treachery, she chased Lupa and her son away, which considering Grilla's track record, I think this was actually pretty tame. Now, because I love cats, we're going to discuss the family pet next. The kick-ass name is Yolakaturin, or more commonly called the Yule Cat or the Christmas Cat. Not much is known of where this legend stems from, though it's believed to have been around for centuries. Some said it wasn't more widely known throughout the country until the printing of Iceland folktales and legends in the 19th century but it was allegedly made famous by the poem written by Johannes Jor Koltlum, which I'll read a snippet of it in a moment. Now, the Yule Cat was known to be a humongous feline with black fur. Unlike his owner, Grilla, this cat would only venture out to get his meal on Christmas Eve. You see, he could care less if you've been naughty or nice. Nope. Yokokaturin was a sassy thing that would devour children and even men who had not been given new clothes. Yes, you heard right. New clothes on Christmas Eve. Got a shirt with a hole in it? Have some scraggly pants? Welp. Bye. What's worse is sometimes it's told that Grilla would accompany her feisty feline on his trip. It's believed this tale was created to encourage children and workers to work hard and to finish processing the autumn wool before the holiday. If you were lazy or didn't contribute much or at all, then you would not be given clothes and hence be eaten by the Yule Cat. If you were good, productive, and helpful, you'll be given new clothes, kind of as an award. When a cat got his watered-down version, he was known to eat all your food during a festive feast instead of eating you whole, which I'm sure a lot of people have preferred. A cool thing I stumbled across is that if you visit a town called Reykjavik, and in one of the squares, there's a lit-up decoration depicting the Yule Cat himself. It was made in 2018, and the fixture stands at about 16 and a half feet tall, or 5 meters, and is 13 feet long, or 4 meters. He's completely covered in 6,500 lights and hosts glowing red eyes. Due to the cost to make and put up the fixture, there's actually some controversy surrounding it. But if you get the chance, be sure to look it up because it's actually pretty neat looking. Now, there's even a famous song in Iceland sung by Björk done in the 1980s, which is her version of the carol, Jólokaturin, the poem mentioned prior which I think is actually pretty cool, and I will link it in the show notes in case you wanted to take a listen, which I do highly recommend. Now, for a small piece from that poem I mentioned earlier. Quote, Hungry, wild, and grim he roamed through bitter winter snow. Gave everyone the shivers wherever he might go. If you heard a dismal yowl outside, your luck had just run out. It was men, not mice he hunted, of that there was no doubt. He preyed upon the poor folk who got no gifts for Yule, who struggled to keep going, whose life was hard and cruel, unquote. All right, on to the main meat of the story. We're going to discuss the biggest chunk of this family unit and dive into the Yule Lads. Now, the first thing to know is that Iceland doesn't have just one Santa Claus. Nope. 
No singular Jolly St. Nick here. They have 13. This is where the Yule Lads come in. As said much earlier, the Yule Lads range from 9 to 22 in amount, but the most commonly used number is 13, especially in today's telling of the legend. These brothers were first written down in the 17th century, but like the other members of the family, it's believed that they were told through storytelling long before then through generations. The Yule Lads are sometimes referred to as the Yule Men or Yuletide Lads, as mentioned, consists of 13 brothers. They each stay for 13 days before departing back to their home, and each had a very specific name that usually correlated with what they were known to do during the holiday season. We're going to break it down and go into them and their habits one by one, and this is probably where my Icelandic is going to be butchered beyond compare. But please, again, bear with me and go in with an open mind and a very, very forgiving heart. We begin our list on December 12th with Stakyoste, also known as Sheep Called Claude or Gimpy. Now, Gimpy was the oldest of the brothers and was known for his two peg legs. Or in some later tellings, he didn't have peg legs, but just kind of old, stiff legs with really, really creaky knees. Which, I feel ya, man. He was known to harass the sheep of the household, which was the livelihood of most farmsteads, as well as suck their milk for them directly. His favorite treats are Christmas cookies and milk. Next, we go to Giljage, also known as Gulligok, who comes down from their cave on December 13th. Gulligok was known for stealing the froth from the milk buckets or stealing milk altogether when the cowshed was left unattended. This was considered very troublesome because the milk would be the main ingredient used in most sauces for the holiday season. He was considered the tallest, strongest, and most large of his brothers. In later tellings, he was known as the one that would make sure the Yule Cat had enough to eat so the feline wouldn't go and eat any children. His favorite treats are sweets, milk, and meat. Third, we meet Stufa, also known as Stubby or Itty Bitty. Stubby comes down on December 14th and was known to steal pans from households in order to eat the crust remaining on them. Delicious. This was mostly considered heinous because pots and pans were expensive and considered a luxury. As the name might suggest, Stubby was the smallest of the brothers, but in later tellings was also considered the most charming. Nowadays, it's considered, well, considerate, to leave a stool or chair near the window so he can leave you gifts more easily. His favorite treats are biscuits, cheese, meat, and skier, which I had to look up what skier was, and the definition is, quote, an Icelandic cultured dairy product. It has the consistency of Greek yogurt, but a milder flavor. Skier can be classified as a fresh sour milk cheese, but is consumed like a yogurt, unquote. Which, according to one friend, I need to at least try, so I'm going to do it eventually, I promise. Fourth, we have Thoroslicker, also known as Spoon Licker. He comes down on December 15th, and as the name suggests, he steals and licks your spoons, in hopes of getting even just a morsel of food. Due to this, he's often considered malnourished and very gaunt in appearance. In the more friendly versions later on, he was known for sucking on his thumb as a child, and Grilla scolded him, which made him switch to sucking on spoons instead. His favorite treats are milk, spoons, who saw that coming, and vegetables, which is actually kind of surprising. 
On December 16th, we meet Potaslicker, also known as Pot Scraper. He steals any leftovers left in pots. This includes meats, veggies, or even sauce. He is not picky. His favorite treats are milk, cookies, and sweets. December 17th rolls around and we meet Ashkalicker, also known as Bullicker. He's mostly known to lay in wait beneath a child's bed, not super creepy or anything, until they finish their soup or pudding. He then takes the bowl and licks it clean of anything remaining. His favorite treats are cookies, milk, or skier. The seventh brother is known as Herdeskiller, or <laughs> Door Slammer. You paying rent? He comes down on December 18th and wreaks havoc by going house to house and slamming doors to disturb or awaken the household. In the more friendly version, he just loves the sound of slamming doors and he doesn't mean to scare anyone, especially the children. He's just having some fun. His favorite treats are milk, cheese, and meat. On to number eight, our eighth brother comes down on December 19th and he's named Skiergammer or Skier Gluten. As suggested, he's a huge skier fan, the food, not the sport, and will take any that he can find in the household. In more recent tellings, he's known to slide his way into town down the mountain, complaining about how things are not what they used to be, kind of like back in my day, <laughs> like especially where skier is concerned. His favorite treats are milk, cheese, and of course, skier. On December 20th, we get the ninth brother, who's known as Bukenai Kreikir, or Sausage Swiper. Unlike his brothers, who most have various tastes, the only food Sausage Swiper is interested in is, well, <laughs> sausage. Big plot twist. The main one being Buga, a traditional sausage made of all fat and no meat. He would wait for the meats to be cooked and then wait for an opening before he would snatch them and run away. It's said that his brothers actually hated Bioga, which left this brother with all the treasure. His favorite treats are, of course, cookies, meat, and cheese. For the 10th brother, who comes down on December 21st, we get probably the worst one in my personal opinion. His name is Glukagaye, or known in English as Window Peeper. Yeah, this creepo peeks into your window in hopes of spotting something to steal. He was also known to be one of the snitches to rat naughty children out to his mother. If he knows you being bad as a child while he was peeping in. In the more friendly version, he still likes to peep into people's homes, but it's for more wholesome reasons. It's said that he loves the colors and patterns seen in the home in comparison to his home where it's mostly just stone walls and candles. He thinks it's beautiful and a sight to behold. His favorite treats are milk and pancakes. Okay, we're getting close, everyone. We move on to Brother Eleven, who comes down on December 22nd. His name is Gattefe, also known as Doorway Sniffer. This brother is mostly known for his abnormally large nose, which he uses to sniff out his favorite meal known as breath or leaf bread. This was considered a delicacy, and he would take it before you can give it to any guests. In later tellings, he would use his nose to track any food dropped, and it was encouraged to tidy up your room of any smelly socks, since he doesn't like things that smell bad. If you don't do this, he might not leave a gift for you. His favorite treats are sweets, cookies, and of course, Liefenbreath. On December 23rd, we have the 12th brother, known as Ketkroker 
or meat hook. Pretty simple, this brother uses a hook to steal your meat. No, not that kind. Though of the animal variety, it didn't really matter what type it was. If he saw an opening to swipe it, he'd take it, hiding anywhere, and I mean anywhere, in the house that he might be able to get a jump on it. In later tellings, he was the smallest child Grilla had, and she would only feed him meat so he would build up muscle and fat. Due to this, though, he refuses veggies and only eats, well, meat. He's still known to steal any type of meat that he can get his hands on, so that has not changed with time. His favorite treats are, well, meat, if you couldn't tell already. The last of the brothers is Lucky 13. He comes down on December 24th and goes by the name Kurtnesnickers, also known as Candle Stealer or Candle Beggar. He was known to follow children to steal their candles, which might not seem like a huge deal nowadays, but candles were considered very valuable a while back. It provided light in the extended dark winter nights and a slight warmth from the cold. It was also the way most of the people could enjoy reading during these literally dark times. These candles were also made from tallow usually, which is a rendered animal fat that could be eaten, which is the main motivation for our 13th brother. Funny enough, according to one source, Candlestealer was recently voted the favorite in Iceland of all his brothers. His favorite treats are cookies, meats, and candles. On December 25th, the brothers, one by one, begin to go back home and leave the inhabitants in peace. This starts on December 25th and ends on January 6th, also known as, do you remember from two episodes ago? The 12 Days of Christmas, or Yuletide. But woo, what a list. So, remembering the outlawing of using Grilla as a scare tactic for children? Well, this also includes the telling of the Yule Lads. Especially in their earliest renditions, they were seen as creepy or disturbing in appearance and nature. Originally, they were seen as enormous trolls that were disgusting and really none too bright and considered a mixture of beasts and humanoid. It was in much later tellings that they got a cheerier appearance and were made to look like the average Santa Claus. They wore red and white, got a bit more round in the belly, and sported fluffier beards. In more recent years, they've mostly kept their more cheery appearance, but the clothes were switched back to the more traditional Icelandic sets from the 17th or 18th century. Another thing to change is instead of terrorizing the household, children leave shoes or socks near or on the window ledge in hope of receiving gifts. If they are bad, that's where the rotten potatoes come in mentioned in Grilla's section of this episode. It's believed the original legend of the Yule Lads actually came about due to homeless men a long time ago who did what they had to to survive the harsh winters. These men, and I have to assume women, were poor and starving, so out of desperation, they would break into other people's homes to stay warm or to scrape by. Which is really sad once you think about it. On a more happy note, since 1988, the National Museum of Iceland has hosted the, quote, Yule Lads every holiday season. They show up in traditional Icelandic attire around 11 a.m. and they sing and chat with the children in attendance. This is a free admission event from what I could find. In Demubugir, 
You can meet the Yule Lads typically from November 15th until December 31st and even visit their cave. This experience looks like it starts at $12 USD, which I actually really want to go and do this because it looks really neat and fun. But by chance, curious on which of these mischievous lads that you are? Well, there's actually a quiz on IcelandNaturally.com where you can actually find out. I personally got gully guck. I feel like I should have uh, got someone else, but I'll take the results as true. I'll link the quiz in the show notes for those who are interested. Be sure to tell me your results in response to my post about this episode on either Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I am actually very curious to know what you got. In pop culture, we're going to talk about books first because why not? One of the most famous books on the Yule Lads is titled The Yule Lads, a celebration of Iceland's Christmas folklore. But of course, they've been in many books on Christmas, Yule, or Icelandic folklore for quite some time and it would take quite a while to probably list them all. In movies, the Yule Cat made an appearance in a movie called The Christmas Chronicles 2 where apparently it's friendly to the bad guys and is chased by Santa? (laughs) There was a horror story by the name Gorilla in 2016, but I sadly couldn't find a place to check it out. It's only seven minutes long, so I wasn't sure if it counted, but I thought it was actually pretty interesting, and I'm hoping to find a place that I can watch it myself. As for shows, Grilla and her lads made an appearance in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in their holiday special, which if you haven't seen it yet, go, go watch this show. I really enjoyed it and can't wait for the next, but sadly, last season to come out. Unlike her folktale description, Grilla in the show is known as beautiful and comes to take a child from the household. Not for being bad, but to take as her own to love and to take care of. She takes orphans or children not taken care of by their biological family. In this telling, she's of witch heritage, not troll, and is the only one able to visibly see her Yule Lads. She's usually kept away by burning the Yule Log, but in the show it's put out for reasons I will not say in case you haven't seen it. Okay, so for the movie suggestion this week, there's a slightly funny story on how it got chosen. So I wanted a horror that involved parents or a parent and some rowdy children, to say the least. I had a movie in mind, but I knew I had only seen the ending for it, so I was going to look it up and watch it. Apparently, I I remembered the name wrong and typed in the title of this week's suggested movie, which I think is a major win because I ended up enjoying it and the overall consensus when you compare the two movies' ratings, the one I chose was more widely enjoyed. Without further ado, the movie suggestion for today is called The Children, from 2008. This movie is about a family visiting relatives for the Christmas holiday, and while there, the children become ill with a violent virus that makes them want to harm the adults. And that is all I'm going to say on the synopsis of the movie. It sounds kind of like a joke or like it should be a pretty okay B-movie at most, but I personally thought it was well done and I don't feel like they held back much. A very pleasant surprise considering it was a complete accident. That I even found it. If you give this one a watch, I really hope you enjoy. 
All right, that's all for this week, my wee little gourds. I hope you had a good time and enjoyed me stumbling on more words than I probably ever have in my life. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at TJOH Podcast. And if you have a moment to spare, please rate and review me on iTunes or Podchaser. My heart swells every time there's a new review, follower, or like. All of you make my day. Already done this or uncomfortable doing so? That's okay. Feel free to DM me or tag me in something. I would love to hear from you, seriously. Before I let you go, though, please know that you are stronger than you think, smarter than you know, and so much more than enough. You got this. With that, I wish you well, and I hope you have a spooky night.